Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howell. On today's pod, Hollywood writers put down their typewriters and pick up their picket signs. The godfather of AI goes against the family, and we break down James Harden's 45 point masterpiece against the Celtics last night. <laughs> We're not actually going to do that, but that was sweet. RIP Celtics. Uh, then SpaceX is in trouble with some environmental groups for blowing chunks of concrete thousands of feet into the air and potentially endangering some of the local wildlife. Then we'll finish up with some highlights from Uber's annual loss and found report. Mercury is in retrograde, so people are forgetting stuff. Neil, it's Tuesday, May 2nd. Let's ride. All right, Toby, what were your takeaways from the Met Gala last night? I was honestly shocked by how short Kim Kardashian is. It happens every year where she emerges on a certain red carpet. She stands next to one of her sisters and you realize that, wow, she really is five foot one. So that was my big takeaway. I saw that picture. Kim Kardashian is short. What about you? And Carl Legerfeld's uh, cat, Chupette, did not make an appearance. That was the big question of the night. Uh, But Jared Leto kind of made an appearance as the cat. I respect Jared Leto. He embodies the spirit of what the Met Gala should be. I used to really hate how how hard he wins, but now I, I, I respect it. He made a whole cat suit. And my favorite thing, not my favorite thing, but uh, what I noticed was Serena Williams pregnant. Pregnant. And that kind of rules out with her second child, and that kind of rules out a uh, tennis comeback, which I was kind of hoping for for the next... Um, the next U.S. Open. I know. Poor. I mean, I, we saw our last match, actually. Or I saw our last match. So I wasn't there. Hopefully we see another one. Um, all right. Let's go on to the news. Uh, Hollywood TV and film writers are striking for the first time in 15 years today. And if it goes on long enough, shows might go off the air and we all might have to do the unthinkable. Watch TikTok. <laughs> the strike is one of the clearest signs yet of how the shift to streaming has upended the economics of Hollywood. Writers say as companies shifted to putting TV shows on streaming platforms, their work conditions have suffered and they can barely make a middle class income. Median, median pay for writers and producers has fallen 4% over the last decade. And that's not even including inflation. And so basically they say the current landscape has caused an existential crisis for this profession, and it turned it more into gig economy work. Yeah, that that stat about the median pay falling is absolutely remarkable to me. What other professions has median pay fell 23% when adjusted for inflation? I can't think of any off the top of my head, just because it's become commoditized in a way. And honestly, I think the funniest thing is that it used to be these seasons came out with 20 yep. episodes each. They'd go on for 20 years. Think about how long How I Met Your Mother went and how many episodes. Too long. <laughs> yeah, arguably too long. And now you get signed for maybe a season right. by a streaming platform. Maybe it's eight to 10 episodes. It could get canceled right. next week. And so that's the issue that these writers have no job security. And I totally see why they're striking. Yeah. So you have these are various things that have changed in the shift to streaming. You mentioned the eight to 12 se- episode seasons. Every single TV show I've watched recently has 
been like eight or ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Succession, White Lotus, Last of Us. You know, they don't really last that long. They're so expensive and they kind of expire after eight episodes. There's also this this thing of, about residuals, which historically, historically, if you had a writing credit on a TV show and that show was aired as a rerun on broadcast, then you'd get a royalty payment uh, from that. But that kind of got wiped out by the shift to streaming. And they they have these things called mini rooms in the streaming age where you go into this room and you write a show and you don't even know if it's going to get greenlit or not. Right. So it's a very precarious situation and you're not getting paid a lot of money to crank out these scripts. It'd be like cranking out a newsletter every day and you never know if there's going to be <laughs> oh, a newsletter God. tomorrow and or if you'll even get paid for it. Right. Um, I also was really curious to see if they'd mentioned AI and they did briefly yeah. touch on it. Um, so they said part of their demands for this negotiation cycle was they wanted regulations around the use of material produced using artificial intelligence or similar technologies because I can also see that becoming this this big wave of existential angst sure. for, for writers because if you're already be- becoming more and more replaceable and you have these large language models that can write relatively well, I could see why that is potentially part of this negotiation cycle. Yeah. So that's something I'll be looking forward. You see forward. this a lot in blue collar work already, like ports and automakers and auto workers that they were afraid of automation when, they, when they're doing these bargaining contracts. And now this is kind of the first time you're seeing it in, you know, knowledge workers or... Yeah. writers for the first time they're acknowledging that you know ai could be a, a threat to their work let's talk about what happened what will happen to these shows yeah i, I think <laughs> that we maybe don't watch the funniest part is that they they are heavily influenced by writer strikes in the past right so last time this happened so the previous uh strike was in 2007 2008 it lasted 100 days any show that needed very timely writing, like Saturday Night Live or the late night shows, kind of went either went off air or did some weird stuff. So Conan O'Brien, we, we I did not remember this, but apparently to fill airtime, he he tried to keep his wedding ring spinning for as long as possible. Incredibly impressive. I watched the clip. He is a good spinner of wedding rings. Very inception-y. Uh, he apparently got it to 51 seconds with the help from an MIT uh, physicist. And then a bunch of scripted shows like Lost, Friday Night Lights, Gossip Girl, Breaking Bad, 30 Rock, all the ones from yesteryear got cut short by the end of the year. Um, and this is an interesting fact that Jesse Pinkman on uh, Aaron Paul on Breaking Bad was supposed to be killed off at the end of the first season and because of the writer's strike a couple episodes were cut short and Vince Gilligan the creator of Breaking Bad was like you know what I think I kind of like Jesse Pinkman Uh, and they kept him for the show and obviously he was an integral part of this yeah so Writer strikes, maybe not good for, for writers and entertainment at large, but sometimes really good for your favorite character, your favorite <laughs> TV show. Um, okay, Neil, let's move on. Let's talk about SpaceX. The hits keep coming for SpaceX. Environmental groups have sued the FAA over SpaceX's recent launch, saying the agency didn't properly assess the impact that the launch would have on the surrounding environmental area. And it certainly had an impact. Remember, Starship was the most powerful rocket of all time. All that power absolutely demolished the launch pad. It sent chunks of concrete and metal literally thousands of feet away. It spread dust miles away and even sparked a fire on state lands uh, near the launch site. So the groups are super mad about this mayhem and destruction, and they're calling on the FAA to potentially revoke Starship's launch license, which would essentially ground the program until a proper environmental impact survey can be completed. So, Neil, do you think that these environmental groups have a point? 
I mean, okay. So we I, before the show, I went on Google Maps to where Starbase is located, which is on the very southern tip of Texas. And all you see around Starbase is like wildlife management area or conservation area or endangered species uh, region. And I am was just a little confused why Elon decided to put uh, a huge launch pad in this area where there are. We were looking up what you know kind of species are there that they're saying are are threatened by spaceship or starship and there's ocelots there's something called the jaguarundi there's sea turtles and these are all like very critical habitats for these endangered species and elon was like you know what cape canaveral i guess i just don't want to be yeah he just, i don't want to be mainstream i want to be a hipster and put it down in, in texas know, for he, tax breaks for purposes he didn't need to do any of this he could have just used the the normal florida launch site that hundreds of rockets have launched out of but yeah he loved he, he wanted to go to boca chita Boca Chica, Texas, which is where it launched. Some of these stats are hilarious. There was dust found 10 kilometers away to the northwest. So that's 6.2 miles yeah. of dust. It just kicked up so much more than they expected. Um, and then speaking of unintended consequences or things that they didn't foresee. So we have a little bit more details around what went wrong with the launch. So we know that three... Uh, boosters just didn't fire at all in the yep. beginning. That caused a dangerous lean when the spacecraft ascended. So things were kind of going wrong immediately from the start. And then this is the juicy detail that Elon rev revealed in a, a Twitter spaces recently is that when they pressed the self-destruct button, when they wanted the rocket to blow up because the rocket wasn't going to, the launch wasn't going to plan, it took 40 seconds for it to actually blow up. That must have been a very stressful 40 seconds. Yes, but what do you do when something doesn't blow up and, and uh, you want it to is you add more explosives. So Elon said, we're adding more explosives to make sure it's going to explode next time. But he said he was not expecting this environmental damage and said they were going to install a plate uh, near the you know below the launch pads, which so it won't happen again. There are definitely a lot th this this lawsuit. Um, there's a you know a variety of other challenges that SpaceX needs to ha you know make good on to have another launch of Starship what, that Elon wants in the next few months. But it's not going to be like, hey, let's do this again. Yeah, he, he's got he's got a, some boxes to check for sure. Yeah, a lot of challenges. Okay, uh, the let's move on. The Godfather of AI is abandoning his godchild. Uh, there was this New York Times article that came out yesterday that a lot of people were talking about because Jeffrey Hinton, an AI academic whose research provided the foundation, literal foundation for AI tools like ChatGPT, Google's Bard, all these other generative AI breakthroughs, quit his job at Google so he could have the freedom to warn about the tech that he helped create. So he seemed pretty regretful in this interview. He said, I console myself with a normal excuse. If I hadn't done it, someone else would have. Maybe. Uh, but as AI tools advance over the next couple months, a bunch of experts have said we need to hit the brakes because we don't know what the heck is going on. The fact that the godfather of AI, he's called the godfather of AI, one of the most respected people in the field, is sounding the alarm adds a lot of legitimacy to the people who are warning yeah. about slowing down here. First of all, great name, great title. I'd love to be the godfather of something. Godfather of Daily podcast. Godfather of blonde hair on daily podcasts. It's a very niche godfather. Um, but yeah, obviously when this guy speaks, people listen yeah. because he's just been there since the beginning. And his main concern that he voiced was that 
The average person will not be able to know what is true anymore, and we've already seen this. We already saw Drippy Pope, the AI Balenciaga dripped out version of Pope Francis. That image fooled you, yes. fooled a lot of people. Don't so remind me. I know. No, but it's it's true. Yeah. Like that is his main concern is that people will not be able to know what is true on the online anymore, which is a very valid excuse. Yeah. Um, and then also he's worried that AI will upend the job market, which we've heard there's that report from Goldman Sachs that, that said 300 million jobs will be replaced. And we're really, really actually seeing that play out. IBM is pa- is pausing their hiring. They're replacing 7,800 jobs with AI, which is just a pretty ridiculous number to hear on paper. You're, you're shaking your head a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you said over the next five years in, in back office roles. So Not I mean, consumer, customer faces. No, roles. not customer faces. So the back office, H, HR and that kind of stuff. He said, I expect it to be automated by, you know, 78 Thirty percent of the twenty six hundred back office roles over the next five years. So uh, I mean, yes, it's really happening, and that was kind of the first news article that we saw, and we're like, whoa. Yeah, and then we also this is happening. We saw another thing that made us say whoa about AI was Chegg, which is this uh, education company that helps kids out with their homework. They said their business is massively affected by AI, and their stock actually tumbled forty three percent ahead of Tuesday's open. Crazy. It's like truly the first company that said yeah. AI is killing our business and the market reacted to yeah. it because people are just going to ChatGPT yeah. and getting help with homework. Usually if you put AI in your earnings report or you talk about it, it you get like a huge boost. And this is kind of the inverse of that where yeah. you say, you know what, ChatGPT is actually a threat to our business. Chegg says it's using AI now. I think it's developing its own chatbot called Chegmate. Yeah, it's 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 hopping on the chatbot trend and the chess trend <laughs> in one. Love so that. it thinks it can ultimately win by, you know, leveraging AI and not getting killed by AI. But clearly investors think that this is just one, another industry or a company that ChatGPT is going to blow. <sighs> we'll, we'll see. Um, OK, before we jump into our next story, we'll take a quick break. All right, Toby, on Sunday, I don't know if you saw this, but the NYPD's chief of department tweeted, 21st century calls for 21st century policing. Now, what does that mean? It means put an Apple AirTag tracking device in your car so that police can recover it if it gets stolen. So this is the NYPD's high-tech response to a rise in thefts of Kia, Hyundai, and Honda cars, specifically due to this TikTok trend that shows how easily they can be broken into and stolen. For some data, at the end of last year, New York saw an an 890% increase in Kia thefts and a 766% increase in Hyundai thefts. So the answer here is to put an Apple AirTag tracking device in your car so police can recover them. It is so weird that the police is relying on this consumer technology that you can just go buy at an Apple store. And it makes sense, though, because Apple AirTags are very easy to track. Like, if your car gets stolen, you can just give the the police the location and say like, hey, help me get my my car back. But the thing that stood out to me most of this story is why don't cars already have this feature in them? Clearly, they're all already equipped with GPS systems because you can use your your on screen to navigate right. places. And yet there's no like feature that can you can ping when you can't find your car. You were talking about how helpful it'd be oh when God. you go to a large event and you and you lose your car in a parking lot. Why can't you just ping it? You just take a picture of the, uh, you know, section two. Uh, that's where I am in the parking lot. Right, right. Ugh, I've spent so so much time 
my friend used to lose his car in the University of Maryland parking garage all the time. And I think I wasted an hour per day looking for this car. Yeah, see, people are worried this. about surveillance and being tracked. I mean, when yeah. Apple AirTags, AirTags came out, there was all this discourse. People were being, uh, you know, stalked by people. People were tagging, putting AirTags in people's cars so they could stalk them. Yeah. So this is a very deep concern that about AirTags. And now that it's in the hand of law enforcement or, you know, working with law enforcement, people might even get a little more spooked. That's actually what a 180 degree turnaround for AirTags, because you're right. When they first came out, they got a ton of bad publicity because people were using them to stalk people. And now suddenly they're being hailed as this great law enforcement tool. So I think it is a little bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance with people where they're like, wait a second, I thought we didn't like the fact that AirPods can, or uh, AirTags can do yeah. this, and now we rely on them. So very, very interesting story, honestly, yeah. and, and probably good for Apple. Meanwhile, cities are suing the crap out of Kia and Hyundai because they're like, how can you make your cars so easy to steal? So you have Seattle, St. Louis, Cleveland, at least five other cities are suing these South Korean car makers being like, yo, get your stuff together because it's costing us a lot of money. Yeah. Because people on TikTok are going on and showing others how to steal these cars. Yeah, they're using. They don't like, have a push to start. Right. They 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 literally use like a USB cable and they can manually turn the ignition over. Mm. It's a crazy thing that first of all, why are you posting it on TikTok? Come on, like you're for views. I know for views. Um. So and this trend's been going on since 2022. Like yeah. this is not a new thing by by any stretch. So TikTok, man, it, it's it's TikTok big. good for air tags. So. That's yeah. That's how we got there. All right, let's talk uh, about TikTok a little bit. And it's Toby's trends time. It's Tuesday. Look at all the alliterations we got going. So today we're going to talk about a trend that again has been uh, percolating in the background of TikTok for a while, but it just recently came to Twitter. So on Sunday before we came to the show, I actually decided to watch the Super Mario Bros. movie. Not exactly a surprising thing to do. We know it just crossed $1 billion at the box office. But I actually didn't go to a theater to watch this. I didn't buy a ticket either. That's because the entire movie was uploaded on Twitter over the weekend. The whole movie. I can't stress that enough. The whole movie. And the reason why that was possible is because under Twitter Blue's new rules, someone who pays for the, the $8 a month can upload longer videos. And so people started immediately abusing that and putting entire titles of movies like Super Mario Bros. Yeah. We also saw Avatar Way of Water, which is a famously long movie. They did upload that in three parts because it's too long, even for Twitter Blue's new uh longer video rules, but it's just a ridiculous thing. This is not just a Twitter thing because w people who have been on TikTok at all can't go more than three scrolls without seeing a clip from Moneyball or Sully or... I was on Sully TikTok for a while. I was on Better Call Saul TikTok. For some reason, Shameless. I was just watching yeah. episodes of Shameless on TikTok and it's pretty good. And I was like, I don't really know anything about this show, but you know, these three minute clips, I'm, they're, they're very compelling. Yeah. I, so to sum up this trend, just if I had to put a label on it, it is I think we're seeing the atomization of long form content. We're basically seeing these l things that are meant to be viewed in one sitting being broken up and put on social media sites. Yeah. There's a... Obviously, I, I have to stress that this is illegal. Right. Like there are copyright laws against this. The Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DCMA, uh, should strike these videos down. And eventually the account that posted Super Mario Bros 
the the name was vids that go hard by the way which i think is funny and the account got banned but under elon's like new twitter regime it was up for multiple multiple days it got nine million views while it was up and then tiktok is a disaster in regulating this stuff because you can just tweak certain things about the audio um often you see like subway surfer being played underneath it that's in order to get past tiktok's kind of copyright filters and if the the person who's being ripped off like if uh the like studio studio doesn't know it's happening like they can't if they're unaware of it then they probably won't sue you so lots of people are getting away with posting these videos and I, it's it's good for the consumer like it, i love watching it's great and it's good marketing there's this remember there's this new sh movie that's coming up that we've both seen a lot on tiktok about like they're planning an affair i know I, what's see, her name we it's elizabeth elizabeth olsen yes um and i don't know the name of it but i swear it's a marketing stunt where they're feeding the the masses clips from this show and now we're all talking about it even <laughs> though we have no intention of watching it, it looks so great that's toby's trends uh you're seeing lots of those videos. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, but that's our trend for the day. Um, okay, Neil, our final story is about Uber. I'll, I, we're going to briefly touch on their earnings because it happened this morning, but they also just released a report about the most forgotten items in Ubers, and I really want to talk about that. But first, earnings first, Uber crushed it. Unbelievable, unbelievable quarter. Uh, mobility gross bookings, which is catching a ride in Uber, up 40% year over year. Delivery was up 8% year over year. It's still a bigger category than mobility is, but just by a little bit. Just a fantastic quarter yep. all around. Profitable. Revenue was up 29% uh, year over year. So absolutely crushed it. So anything yeah, to add on that front? Meanwhile, they're distancing themselves from Lyft like crazy. I mean, Lyft is cutting 26% of their workforce. Uh, Uber of, of rideshare sales, in early 2020, Uber was 60, 66% of the U.S. market. Now it's 76% of the U.S. market. So they're, they're, this has been a long time coming. These two are going at it for almost a decade now. And it it's pretty clear. I think we're ready to declare a winner that Uber has absolutely defeated Lyft in the rideshare market. Yeah, just just a fantastic quarter. But again, that is not the news I want to talk you sound about. Sound very CNBC right now. I know. I'm very fantastic quarter. I'm very excited about this next thing though. So the, Uber releases their annual loss and found report every year around this time. They say they do it because Mercury is in retrograde right now, and that's a time when people are more forgetful than usual. But it's just an awesome, fantastic read. So the top 10 most forgotten items, they come as no surprise, really. It's stuff like phone, wallet, keys, jewelry, headphones, laptops, which is actually kind of sad. So those are the most forgotten items in Ubers. But the 50 most unique items lost list, absolutely unreal. So I'm going to just list some of these. Okay. So it includes people have left a Danny DeVito Christmas ornament, a fire sword, remote controlled vibrator, six cheesecakes, a half gallon of fireball. That's a fun time. A catheter insertion tray kit, ooh, a positive pregnancy test, dentures, a lightsaber, and one Gucci loafer. What a list. That is wild. I mean, that's interesting, but my takeaway here is that every company is coming out with their own Spotify wrapped. I yeah, Uber <laughs> lost. It's such wrapped. good marketing. I mean, Spotify is like here's you know all the data from the past year, and then Uber does this thing that everyone talk we're talking about it, and TSA does it yeah. with uh, their you know most weirdest lost item. 
items found at security. So Uber's jumping on this Uber rap trend. Um, I just want to hang out. I, I'm, I'm imagining that some of these were in the same Uber. So I really want to hang out with the, with the person who had a half gallon of Fireball and 16 ounces of fake blood. Do you even buy a half gallon of Fireball or that do you like awful. pour it into a half gallon milk carton? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I love this. And also, just quickly, the last note about the report is the most forgetful cities, Jacksonville, Florida, number one, San Antonio, Texas, number two, and then Palm Springs, California, number three. I might go with a base rates hypothesis here because Jacksonville is notoriously not a walking city. Oh. And did you say the next one was San Antonio? San Antonio. Also not a walking city. So I'm going to go with they just take way more Ubers than the average. So they lose more stuff. And they're party places. Good weather. Is Jacksonville a party place? <laughs> I mean, it's good weather. Everywhere in Florida is a party place. All right. That is our show. Let us know if you have what the weirdest thing you lost in Uber <laughs> was if you didn't report it to them. Uh, just know you can always reach us at Morning Brew Daily at MorningBrew.com or at 1-800-DAILY-POD. <laughs> uh, big ups to everyone who made this show possible. The show's producer and editor is Emily Milliron. Our technical director is Uchenna Waogu. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are our associate producers. Billy Menino is on audio. We left hair and makeup in an Uber. Devin Emery is our chief content officer. Our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow. <laughs>